You know, Music Exchange had just finished this week and we spoke to Greg Cutler who worked at length with Rabbit, Hotline, Harari, PJ Powers. And another name synonymous with South African music is Benji Moody. One thinks immediately of WEA, the record company he was at, but more importantly, breaking acts like my two favorites, and he'll tell you the other ones that he broke. Uh, one was Mark Alex, and in no particular order. The second one was Mango Groove, and the third one was Evoid. Benji, sitting here in Cape Town in a relaxed environment, the, the slap start as we call it, Reflections and pointers you can give a young artist listening to this and going, well, WTF, what does Benji know? So what does Benji know? <laughs> what do I know? Uh, well, uh, just from to my own experiences of working with artists, um, I learned a couple of fundamentals of why people make music and why people enjoy music. And the first thing is the song is the all-important thing. In other words, the song is God. So I think if you're a, a young artist, um, you need to write your own stuff. You need it to be unique. You need it to have legs on radio. Um, and I think the most important thing for an artist these days, and, and particularly now in 2021, is to try and stay as independent as possible. Um, so if you are going to sign to a label, make sure that you look at all the small print, but if you can stay uh, independent and hire your own people to do things like managers and pluggers and PRs, then that definitely is the way to go. You emphasised early in the point the song mm. and A&R. <clears throat> Break that down a little bit. So A&R is an old 60s uh, tag for artists and repertoire, um, but it's more than that. Um, A&R is the ability to hear something and think this could appeal to the broader public. Hold that. What did you hear in Evoid? How did they present <laughs> that to you? How did they present okay. Mango Groove? Two-part question, and then I'll come on to the third. Quick, quick, Mark Alex. Okay, so Evoid's an interesting one because I was heavily involved in that I used to be the bass player in the band when they were still called Void uh, back in uh, 74, 75, and... And ironically, I signed them in 1981. Um, when I heard the song Shadows and, and Taxi Man, that groove, and it, it sounded fresh, it sounded buoyant. Um, it, the, I mean, when it got to the chorus, you kind of just almost leapt with joy. And I mean, I knew it was a hit. And, and time proved that Airvoid were hit. Also, they really had their act together. They had visually, they were phenomenal. They fused fashion and pop music and, and ethnic influences all into one. So that's how Avoid happened. Um, I think in but the, any... But they <coughs> came to you, am I right or not? We're looking for a deal. They had something to present, something tangible. Well, they came in with everything. They came in with, with, with the image um, and, and they came in with uh, uh, um, the songs and it was just a question of capturing that on tape, uh, which we did, I think, in, in three days we did that album at a cost of 8,000 rand. Um, much and, money nowadays. <laughs> absolutely. And I mean, it sold 65,000, 70,000 copies. I mean, I knew the guys. So, so, the, so, so the, the, the thing point about getting into a deal with them was they knew the business side of it. I knew the business side of it. We got that out of the way. We went into the studio and made the record. Mango Groove. Oh, Mango. Mango's an interesting story. <clears throat> Roddy Quinn 
Um, For those who don't know, is, 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 is instrumental also behind Johnny Clegg, but very involved with Mango. Very, yeah, Manager. very involved with uh, Mango, and and was really Roddy Quinn was my competitor at EMI because he would he signed Peach, I signed uh, uh, um, I signed uh, the Asylum Kids, he signed Via Africa, I signed Eroid. Um, but Roddy and I are good friends, and uh, he came to see me about Mark Alex. And he wanted to manage Mark Alex. Now I wanted him to manage Mark Alex because he's a great manager. And uh, so we, t- you know, we talked about it and everything. We came to a deal, and then he said, "Look, I've got to go." I said, "We off to?" He said, "I'm going to to Gallo." And I said, "Why are you going to Gallo?" He said, "We're going to sign Mango Groove to Gallo." I said, "Mango Groove," and I remembered Mango Groove from like the '80s, you know, when Claire was, you know, very young when she joined the band. And I said, "Oh, really? Okay, fine." He said, "Yeah, we've just done two videos." And I said, "Have you got it with?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "I said, show me the video." So he showed me the videos of Hellfire and Don Some More. And I just kind of went, what? I said, stop, don't go together. What are they offering? He told me what they were offering. I said, I told him, this is what I'll give you. And he had to... What, what, was, that, was that an advance? As you oh, said? it was a huge advance. It was bigger than Gala were, were doing. And, and, and just for the layman, backtrack what an advance is? An advance is, is an amount of money paid to an artist uh, which is recouped from sales later. It's, it's, it's a... It's a, a, a primarily to help the band stabilize itself to be able to buy equipment or to pay their rents, etc., etc. So that's what an advance is. But okay, we digressed. There was yes. this huge advance. There was Carry this on. huge advance and, 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 and royalties, you know, uh, per, per record. And I gave him a big offer and, and Mango came to us. And, uh, you know, when we went out with the first album and we got to 25,000, which was gold status, uh, it just, just suddenly exploded. Special Star was the key to that. Special star, the video which coincided with uh, the dawn of democracy in South Africa, um, was kind of like the anthem. When I think about it now, that was the soundtrack to what happened. You talk about the dawn of democracy. Mm. Do you allude to you need a little bit of luck? You need a little bit of timing as well in terms of the song and that authenticity for audiences to, to resonate? It is the song. It is. It has to be authentic. People are not fooled by by, by uh, false things. It was timing. Timing was perfect, and the luck. And you had a band that just had everything going for it. They had a fantastic lead singer. They had great songs. They had colourful backing singers. They had a brass section. It was just there. It was just so, and still is South African. Whenever I travel internationally, I want to. You know, I, I've got a little a little compilation that I have of South Africa makes me think of home. Mm. And it's got Mbakanga, it's got Sipo on there, it's, mm. got, it's got Brenda on there, and it's got Mango. Mm. You play Special Star and you immediately think South Africa. So Mango was massive. I mean, I think the record did half a million. Is that your proudest achievement? You have a big smile on your face telling Gee, the story now. Yeah. I suppose commercially, yes, commercially. But there's all the others, the others that, that are signed that were not as big. Hang on, we haven't finished the Mark Alex story. Then oh, you can tell me uh, about the others. Well, the, the, the Mark, Mark Alex came about because producer Rick Wolf came to me and he said he'd signed these two brothers from Soweto called the Rancelli brothers. Mm. That's what the original name was. Uh, and, and he said, listen, these songs are really different. It's not, it, it's not that sort of bubblegum uh, uh, Afropop. Um, I said, well, let me have a listen to it. And he, he brought in, he played Tomorrow, and he played Heartbreaking Love. I went, wow, this is something else. That reminded me of Wham, funnily enough. You know, that, that simplicity in the singing. 
And so they said, but yeah. But a great pop sensibility. <coughs> oh, right? complete, the complete pop. And different to anything else mm. in the country at the mm. time. I said, I'll do it. Mm. I didn't stop to think of the complexities of South African radio at the particular I just loved the record. And so we cut it, and then one day Mark came in with a cassette, and he said, I've just written a song, and, and, and maybe you want to think about putting it on. I said, oh, well, we've got the album finished. You know, I'm, I've got hits. I had three hits from it. And he played me Quick Quick. And I just, I just, at one of those moments where you go, oh, my God, that is a number one record. And so we, 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 I said, great, so we recorded it, and then I put it to the promo people, and the promo said, let's go with Quick Quick, and I, and I kind of said, no, let's not go with Quick Quick, right, let's, let's go with Heartbreak in Love first. So sometimes you put, save the best for last. So we did, quick, uh, we did Heartbreak in Love followed by Tomorrow, mm. both of which were smash hits. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And then we went with Quick Quick, and then it exploded. Mark Alex did more for the transition f- from being a black artist to a crossover market than any other artist at the time. I mean, they, they were the ultimate crossover into the pop Sipo market. Sipo wasn't bad. Sipo was great as well, but, but, but you know, uh, um, what, what Mark Alex had going for them was that, that slick image and, 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 and those powerful pop songs, you know, straight pop, you know. Last night we were discussing, because we, we were at an event in Cape Town this fame week, um, radio, and all our eyes sort of went backwards, because we spoke of, 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 a, of a mutual friend, and, and you've known him for many years from the all-night radio days, a gentleman by the name of Steve Lowe, mm, mm. who's just released a remarkable record with Joe Bonamassa on it, and, yeah. and you said to me that even the radio station that, that you do shows on, he's struggling to get airplay. Is it upsetting the state of radio in, in, in South Africa now? And then I want to move from, from that segue in the conversation to what you're doing now, because you're still very passionate about music. You've well, got a record store. Yeah. Um, radio, radios, the relationship between radios and musicians has always been a very complex one, and sometimes, you know, a, a, a relationship is conflictual. Um, I think that radio is so tightly formatted now that it's very, very difficult for new artists and particularly South African artists or indeed heritage artists uh, to get the recognition that they, they deserve. In saying that, I do believe that radio is no longer the sole gatekeeper to public taste. Uh, and I think it, as, as artists we have to look at other methods and other platforms in order to get the music out to the people. because. A lot of the kids today don't listen to radio at all. You know, it's it's peer it's peer to peer. Oh, listen, I've got this song, or somebody plays a song at a party, and somebody picks it up, and then they shazam it, and then they do it. So we've got to look at other strategies, not solely depend. Where I have a problem with South African radio is that they don't recognise the the, the the heritage artists um, that deserve to be to to, to be lauded as innovators. It happens in Australia, it happens in Canada, it happens in Ireland, America. Everywhere in the world, people are proud of what, the, what, what their heritage artists have achieved. We seem to be less interested in that here. And that does concern me. That shapes who we are as a music economy now, those artists that have gone before. We were talking earlier <coughs> about Peach and Via Africa and the, the sort of nice rivalry between you and Roddy Quinn. Mm. What other acts did you sign? At, at, at Weir when you were at the time that wow. people need to go back and, and, and look at because it's available on the streaming platforms 
Well, things, I mean, one of them that I'm really proud of is Falling Mirror from Cape Town. I mean, I did four albums with them, and only one of them was a success, but they were, they, they needed to be heard, and that's always been my A&R premise, is, is this interesting, and does it need to be heard? So that, ab- that made me able to cross genres from one to the other and back again and take left turns and right turns and about turns with music. So it wasn't just one style of music. I did jazz, I did dance, I did, I did folk, I did prog rock, I did pop and everything. And that's the beauty about A&R, and certainly in back, back then, is that I was able to do Soweto Dawn by Mike Machalimele and then do Elvis Blue Lighthouse, completely different genres. And now... You're in Johannesburg, <laughs> Vinyl Junkie, a record store. Yes. Sell it to us. What's there? Why must we come okay, and visit? So, so, so Vinyl Junkie came into being in 2013 when I left Universal Music. Because I'd kind of got to the point now where I went, you know, that's it. It's been a great career. I've had fun, lots of How fun. How long was that career that you're saying it's been 40, a great career? 40 years. So... But you don't look over 21. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it. <laughs> but um, so I decided that um, somebody gave me two crates of records and just dropped it off at my house. And I went through them. I went, oh, wow, remember this, remember that. I thought, well, I'm going to sell these. And, and so, so the idea of going back to my roots, which is when I was 16, I went back to my roots. And, and um, when I first started, uh, I first, start, first started a, um, a record store, um, so I worked in, sorry, I worked in a record store in 72. So I went back to my roots, started Vinyl Junkie, and it's a booming success. I have all kinds of records there. And what are you listening to now? Wow. Uh, the Blue Nile from Scotland. I'm a big fan of the Blue Nile. Uh, the last Mac Miller album, which I think is, is brilliant. I mean, he's a rap artist who made that final album before he died which is a much more melodic record. Uh, um, I, I listen to so many different types of music in, in a shop because that's the fun part of Vinyl Junkie. I go in in the morning, I put on music, I play music all day. People come in and talk about music, they buy music, and they sometimes walk in and somebody will go, oh no, look at this, and they'll pick this record. I've been looking at this forever. That makes me feel so good. I love Vinyl Junkie. You go in every day? Every day. It's my shop. I've got to be there every day. I've got to talk to people about music. I'm a sponge. I soak it all up. In this 40-year career, if I could ask you for one moment, you're sitting on a desert island and you're talking to someone you don't know and never met, that one moment in the music business where you go, wow, look what this has done. What is this thing that you've done? If you could bring it down to one salient point. I think that what I think I managed to accomplish was to make people happy using music as a medium. And there are songs that for me and for many, many people who listen to music that are very, very personal. I mean, you know, and move you in a way that a, a great film will move you and it re- you retain it. It stays in your memory bank and you recall it. I can hear songs. I can hear Johnny Calls a Chemist 
by Falling Mirror. I can hear African Dream by Vicky Sampson. And I'm transported back to a time. Oh, yeah. when, hey, boy, when you're talking to yeah, me. I remember yeah. one New Year's Eve, I was at 88 Short Market Street at the base. That's where right. they played. Right. I, as you were running through the story, I got quick, quick in my brain mm. when they played with Eric Clapton and Sipo and everything else in Swaziland. I remember those things. And, and you're right, music does transport you to a time and space. Well, it, you know, I had all this success. And those are just the records that were successful and the artists that were successful. There were others that didn't achieve that commercial life but are equally important to me. Things like... Name, the, name some, some... Okay, the first Cofield Mundy album, Ceremony. She's also from Cape Town. It's one of the finest singer-songwriter albums I've ever, ever heard. I loved Falling Mirror's second album, Storming of the Loft. I thought it was absolutely amazing. And I was perplexed and still am why they were not as big as an overseas band because they were just amazing. Also, funny enough, from Cape Town. Yeah. And you, you, you could equate Falling Mirror to a Steely Dan. They were that cerebral. Well, they were very thinking. cerebral, except that the, uh, Neil and, Neil and Maria is a crazy lyricist. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, um, you know, but, but Alan Ford, the late Alan Ford, was such an amazing guitar player. They, 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 my career's littered with artists and records that mean a lot to me. I mean, I signed everybody because I liked what they did. And, and, and the com- whether it was commercial or not didn't really come into the equation. Advice for a young person starting out. There's been some inspirational words if you listen to closely what you've said in the last 15 minutes, but I'm listening to this as a young artist and I don't know where to go. Is it right to my truth? Be authentic and come prepared because I see if a kid had to come to your store and present you something, you'd still give it that A&R ears because there is I still do. there. I, I still do that. I mean, I do mentor young artists. Mm-hmm. What I would say to an artist making music now, I think you, the authenticity is the word that you've used and I think that's terribly important. And also be different. Don't be scared. Don't be scared to jump right outside that box and create another box because that's what great artists are made of. And, and, and hopefully going forward in South African music we're going to hear a lot more because there's a lot happening at the moment thank you Benji there's a lot happening always a pleasure will do